Hello everybody and welcome to Wrestling with Statistics, the only show that looks at the world of professional wrestling through the unique lens of stats and analytics. I am your host, Ryan Knightsey, back from sickness, uh, slowly dying over here at the compound in Atlanta, Georgia, but that's okay. Thank you everybody. Uh, I'm finally back. But with me as always, and who did a great job hosting last week in my absence, Craig Leesk from Pro Wrestling Musings. Craig, how are you doing, my friend? I'm interested in your um, description of good job. I think I, I had this really good joke in my head. I was going to compare Mags to Chris Jericho and call him the, uh, the man of a thousand four podcasts instead of holes, holds. Um, <laughs> and, and then just kind of went, and here's Mags, the man of... You, you, remember when Chris Jericho read his list of a thousand and four holds and he was like, uh, yes, like, yeah, haha, and he kind of laughed. And I think I then explained the joke at the end of the podcast. But yeah, I had this really good opening line in my head, got scared and worried and then tripped over my words and did not go well. <laughs> I he think, was polite about it. Oh yeah, very. he was very polite about it. And of course, thank you, Mags, for coming on the show last week. Uh, you know, obviously he, he, was, he was the planned guest all along and then I got sick. So it just turned into you and Mags. Uh, so, you know, thank you, Mags, for not only guesting, but also sort of slightly kind of co-hosting in a way uh, mm-hmm. with with Craig. Craig, no, I think you did a good job. I think for for your first real-time hosting something, and you are co-hosting to an extent here as well, but I'm, I guess I'm the comptroller, I guess would be the phrase. You know, I'm the one that's like steering the ship in a way. Okay, I totally knew what that meant. <laughs> Uh, uh, but then you having the, you know, you, you holding the ship in your palm of your hand. Okay. I'm losing my metaphors here. So you're, you, you're, um, you're driving the ship and I'm the anchor. So I weigh the ship down. You're saying that doesn't sound very complimentary. I never said, Hey, I never said you're the anchor. You (laughs) said that you're the anchor. If anything, I would say that I, I am the person driving the ship, but you're the person navigating the ship. Like telling me where to go. Does okay. That, does that make sense? I, I don't think so, but let's move on. And it, well, what I was gonna say was, I think for your first time, for, you know, especially like with the you know last minute change and stuff, mm-hmm. I think it was you did a very good job. So no, so don't worry about. It. I think you did a very good job uh, hosting last week. But uh, yeah, we'll move on to save <laughs> you from embarrassment. Uh, what are we talking this week, Craig? I almost hit my microphone. What are we talking this week? Um, so we are continuing our Japanese wrestling experience. Um, we are so last week we left off with Mags and I talking about who would would win the New Japan Cup. Um, Mags talked about how Evil could very well do it based on his use of foulings, um, and that kind of t- ended up being being what happened. So if you're looking for somebody to blame, there's your guy. <laughs> Um, <laughs> let's shift the blame real quickly let's shift the blame. um we're not we're not going to look at that match because we can only there's only so much evil anybody can subject their ears to so we're going to be looking at dominion today and the three featured matches show versus shingo um the golden aces versus the dangerous techers i don't know if the dangerous techers is their official name but that seems to be what zach saber jr um calls them i i wonder um if he's still calling them that, who knows? Because apparently he doesn't have an internet connection anymore. <laughs> and um, the the final match, of course, being Tetsuya Naito versus Evil. 
I believe they are officially called Dangerous Techers because I think I right. right before we get on, I think I saw a New Japan tweet that mentioned Dangerous Techers, and I was like, okay, then here we go. Okay. Uh, cool. yeah, no, uh, yeah, uh, you know, especially I was thinking what I was gonna say was that like you know the fact that we're talking about the evil Naito match. There's really no point to talk about evil uh, Okada. Because we already know the no, results. It's, it's the same match, just one drags on for another five minutes. But I, I guess we could, what we could say about that is... Let's ne- start there. Let's, let's start there. Let's get out of the way. Because like, there's there's going to be more positive things to say about the other two matches. I guess that's fair. Well, first, we th- first, well, sure, we can do that. First thing first I want to ask, though, is um, now that the New Japan Cup is over, you know, looking at the start of New Japan Cup to the finish... Not including Dominion. What were your thoughts about you know the New Japan Cup as a whole? Um, can't believe I called it so perfectly. Knew from the beginning that evil was going to go over. Um, <laughs> no. You had your brackets um, out. You had your bracket out perfectly. You had a hundred percent bracket. Oh yeah. Um, I, I liked. I, I loved Hiromu Takahashi's run. His matches with Ishii and um, Okada, and to a lesser extent, in a very different way, yeah, Toru Yano. And they were they were fantastic, and the story, the kind of story of the kind of guy with no fear leveling up to the heavyweights, worked really well for me. I don't know what your perspective was on him. Hiromu was amazing, and and, and continues to be amazing. I think Hiromu stepping up, and, and I, there was some obviously. There's the idea that like Hiromu beat three heavyweights, no, yeah. two heavyweights, three, no, uh, three heavyweights, three heavyweights, three, three um that that and it, that goes to show something not just that and you know we'll talk about it later but you know now he has scheduled lined up uh a, a title shot against mm. evil so you know he's in a way he's slowly proved himself and now he he lost out on the shot against naito but now he has a new thing with uh evil i think it works out perfectly in a way for him he was a great per- job in this part i did think also a lot of the a lot in a lot of the obvious first round matches I thought the dads across the board did an uh, outstanding job. Uh, that time off, I feel like def- def- definitely helped them. Uh, yeah, I liked I liked how the the kind of the new guys into the cup, or maybe the less expected guys, kind of they tended to give a different dynamic. Like the the dads and the juniors working from below was really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Show also did a great job. You know mm. that show Shingo match was obviously a. a a great match. And I, I, you know, in terms of the whole cup as a whole, I saw a great take online. I think it was like at booze leprechaun or something. Um, and it was something basic, great. Uh, Twitter's full of great, uh, great names, <laughs> but it basically it was, a, it was some sort of take that was like the new Japan cup was less about matches and more about like creating new stars um the obvious one with evil here but you know they they made a lot of you know they help push a lot of new people into the into the sphere obviously you know there's evil i would argue show as well um i would argue you know some of the dads got like elevated into a certain extent as well yeah i was really interested in nagata by the end i would say hiromu you know, obviously already being elevated, you know, pinning Liger in his last match, the current junior heavyweight champion, I would say he's gotten even more elevated. Um, uh, obviously, Jado, huge elevation for him. <laughs> uh, 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 see, see when um, 
see when he came walking out. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was walking out so slowly, and like by the time he was like a third of the way down that ramp, then Ishimori just comes running out. Like it's like he'd given him a ten-second head start, and then just destroyed him in the race to the ring. It, it was utterly ridiculous. It was like J- Jado was like the guy that was like. <laughs> Jado is just walking so slowly. Why, you know, ten second head start, and then Ishimori just runs out like a kid Christmas Day morning, just running out to pick up all his presents. And I was like, man, Jado will get there eventually to get to his it's stuff. A con- it's a contemporary take on you know, guy walks out really slowly, other guy attacks from behind. Except this time he just <laughs> attacked Perfect. from the same way. Perfect. So maybe uh, maybe it was Ishimori's fault. Maybe he just got too eager and couldn't wait and go around the back. I did think he actually get, got there a little too early, which I don't know if it's his fault or Chano's fault, <laughs> to be fair. Uh, but yeah, I thought the New Japan Cup, uh, you know, was good. Like I said, it elevated a bunch of people. You know, Taichi got elevated. You know, Taichi defeated mm-hmm. Tanahashi and Ibushi. Can't uh, believe he defeated Ibushi. <laughs> still, still haven't gotten over that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's. I, I think the story of this year's New Japan Cup was more pushing guys, which, looking back on it, I think makes sense. I mean, seeing that you are a company that lost out, you're, you know, lost a lot of your talent, you know, lost your Kentas, your Jay Whites, your, uh, mm-hmm. who else is in American? Um, Moxley. Moxley lost out on. Well, you, you, could, you could say. Have been there. Yeah, you could say. Well, let me see if I can. You lost Cobb. You lost Owens, Fale, uh, Juice, Finley, Osprey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the list goes on and on here. Uh, but you lost out on a lot of people. So, you know, and they reasonably probably said to themselves, look, we're probably not going to have these people for quite a while. So we have to push some new guys up to the forefront, which I think, you know, I think that was a good call. And also, uh, you know, seeing that there, there's no need to draw any audiences. Uh, you're not trying to fill, to fill Osaka Joe hall. You're just trying mm-hmm. to get, get 3000 people in the arena. Um, yeah, yeah. you know, why not take, you know, shoot those shots, I guess. But we'll talk about that yeah. more as it goes on. You were saying, Craig? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, it it did feel like they were building to replace the guys that that couldn't be there. I'm not totally convinced that this was the plan with Evil. It felt a bit of a like a sticky sticking plaster, and um, papering over the cracks. But maybe maybe this would have been longer term with Evil. Maybe it would have happened eventually. Uh, not sure. Yeah, I I've seen some people describe it as like during new japan cup that evil getting this like weird sort of push thing felt like an audible in a weird way like it mm-hmm. was just like it felt yeah. like it should have been other someone else to win and maybe well, yeah. obviously it's impossible to say but you know maybe someone else would have won if we had the original card back in march um you know but that's obviously impossible to say at this point um but yeah, I mean, with Evil there now, I mean, he who was where was Evil on this card, anyways? Let's see, I want to see where he was. You know, he is Evil versus Kojima. He probably would have won that. Then it would have been Goto Takahashi, Goto versus Evil. Let's just say then Evil. Let's say Evil wins it again, like he did with Goto. Then faces probably Kenta, Evil versus Kenta. 
if hmm, Evil versus Kenta would be weird. Maybe that's when he joins Bullet Club at that point, and then he faces somebody. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I get the idea that they wanted to rebuild the Bullet Club, and um, because they still see that as a big thing, um, for merch reasons perhaps, or the the kind of the very classic. Uh, Japan versus the outsiders, but even then, that's kind of lost in the current climate. And mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. Like part of me is like, well, perhaps Jay White was going to win this, mm-hmm. but eh, I don't know. It could have been. They could have. They've obviously changed their plans, and it might not have even just been by a little. Uh, we might we might have seen Shingo win. We might have seen Ibushi win. I, who, yeah, who knows? it's it's I such a. Smart. To, to guess with the current climate it's such an alternate reality that we're, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's who, who the hell knows but yeah i thought i think overall i greatly enjoy the new japan cup obviously with no new japan from february until june uh i think you no know, new japan cup returning was was gladly welcomed in my household um and you know i i'm excited to see more and, you know new japan's got fans in attendance as well i do think they're Lack of fans hurt sometimes because I think, like for instance, I think someone like Okada or Tanahashi lessened mm-hmm. in my eyes with no fans because it was just they did a lot of you know versus someone like uh, Takagi or Ishii where it was like their style of matches were different enough where they're doing a lot of hard hitting versus Okada and Tanahashi that really thrives on that fan interaction that are just sort of like. Oh well, okay. Um, especially, especially Tanahashi. No, especially Tanahashi. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think you know. It, I think the lack of fans hurt them a little bit. But now that we got fans, I'm excited to get back. And we got fans of Dominion. Was it three thousand plus people here in the show? And you wanted to open up first with the big talker, uh, which is the was the main event. Uh, Tetsuya Naito taking on Evil. For both the IWGP heavyweights and intercontinental titles. Of course, Naito won those back at Wrestle Kingdom earlier this year, and Evil winning the New Japan Cup gets to challenge. Uh, big story, I guess, before going into this match was that Evil, after winning the New Japan Cup, turns on Naito, joining Bullet Club, becomes the new semi leader, I guess, uh, the interim leader of Bullet Club. Um, the top heavyweight for the faction, uh, and go on to face Naito. And, of course, that finish was Evil getting the win here. Uh, Craig, you've compiled, of course, like every week, you've compiled some stats here for us. That's the whole point of the gosh dang show, people, uh, is stats and analytics. So let's talk about some of those stats that came out of this big main event. Craig, what were some things that popped out to you? Um, Well, when you look at the stats, it looks like Tetsu Naito's been robbed and that's because he was um, out doing evil with strikes, strikedowns, grapples, dives, even reverses more. Um, and yeah, but yeah, it's evil that walks out with the titles with 41% of the offense. Um, however, the statistic to look at is the 25 fouls in his column compared to the still somewhat high 12 in Tetsuya Naito's. Um, we, we can see by the flow of offense, there's an awful lot more red than blue. Um, part of that is because I don't um, I don't actually count fouls as an actual wrestling move. So all of those 
probably quite impactful things that Evil did to Naito um, aren't on these graphs. And they're, of course, in the table, but on the graphs where, you know, the offenses, the uh, red peaks and troughs and the blue peaks and troughs, um, it, you know, so it doesn't look like Evil's actually done much to Naito to pick up the win. Uh, but I think when you're charting a wrestling match, it seems a bit convoluted to count fouls as, um, like like getting points for fouls doesn't make sense. So yeah, it doesn't. It's it's an odd it's an odd graph to read. Uh, the flow of offense again. We see Tetsuya Naito rising and falling. He wins. What's that? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six of the five minute periods with only one. Uh, two, sorry, going to evil. Um, and again, that's because a lot of evil's offense doesn't register on here because he's not doing wrestling moves. He's committing felonies, perhaps. <laughs> to be blunt. Uh, yeah, and then moving along to the, the kind of the bar chart that compares the di- different types of offense against um, the other, we can see huge um, advantage for evil in terms of submission usage and usage of fouls and Tetsuya Naito is kind of taking the advantage for almost all of the other forms of uh, offense in this match Uh, I don't know what you read from much of that Ryan I mean there's also it also should be said to be fair that uh, it's hard to track um, the stats for this match when a lot of Naito's offense taken is uh, from Ishimori and Jado mm-hmm. uh, slowly walking to the ring. Um, so yes. <laughs> it's hard to really track that. But yeah, I, I think I would agree with you. It is, and I think that's also the obvious story that they were going for here is that Evil is taking away everything that Naito held dear right you know lij to a certain extent both these both titles that was you know his naito's pinnacle peak evil is uh obviously robbing him of all those things and the story of this match as well as you can see i mean the big taker here i can also see is that number of submission seconds evil uses uh whether it be um you know various holds and whatnot or whether it be more specifically that was it the the texas deathlock the sharpshooter I believe it was, to just wear down Naito's knees even more. I mean, you know, looking at that horrendous table spot of uh, evil throwing Mm -hmm. Naito's knee first into a table. Oh, God, that (laughs) terrified me. But yeah, that idea of like, you know, evil's tactic here was obviously um, just to wear down Naito, uh, you know, over the course of these roughly 40 minutes um, whether it be submissions, whether it be um, you know, fouls or outside interference, uh, Evil knows Naito well. They've been, you know, seemingly on the same faction for years now. So Evil probably understood that, hey, Naito, you are a a better wrestler than me. Yeah, so absolutely. the only way for me to uh, win this match is through fouls uh, and through. Uh, other aspects of that Uh, there is the idea of like i don't exact and you know maybe it's because i haven't watched the interviews of evil post matches but i don't exactly know why or what what's the motivation for evil turning for lack of a better term evil on naito um i suppose he wasn't going anywhere fast in lij that would be that would be my thought 
there is also the aspect that he was, you know, Sonata was the one that didn't have the titles. But then I also think like, well, Sonata is a baby face in Japan, too much of a baby face in Japan. Mm -hmm. So I can see why they didn't want to turn Sonata. And also there's, you know, outside the, you know, outside of kayfabe, there's the aspect of evil. Not only wasn't going anywhere fast, but evil was sort of, uh, ran his course as a character. So it was like, I don't know what else we do with this guy. You know, it's sort of yeah, boring. Yeah, absolutely. You need something uh, to change thing, it up. The other thing that is worth pointing out if, with the graphs, and I would really encourage you, if you are just listening to this when you're out and about, um, to get it to get it up on on the website, prowrestlingmusings.com, and just to have a glance or two at the images because it, it really does add uh, to the understanding of what we're talking about. Um, but for a match that went 38 minutes, essentially, these graphs are not fantastically complex. Certainly not the flow of offense, one that charts kind of all the peaks and troughs of the wrestler's offense. And um, if you look, whilst you've got the article open on on your device, there's so there's an article where um, I present these three matches and write a quick paragraph about them. There, there's um, a link in the podcast description. There will be, yes. If you look at Show versus Shingle, which was a 20-minute match, that is a far more complex chart. You can see peaks and troughs all over the place. That's That was about half the time, the time of this match. You, If you're also eagle-eyed, you will notice that the 20-minute mark and the 25-minute mark are essentially right next to each other on this Naito Evil match. Like there, there were large periods of this match where not a lot was happening, mm-hmm. and within that, there's like an 81 second submission from Evil on Naito, as well as a lot of gesturing, and I'm assuming he probably hit some low during that as well as he did throughout the match. So, and it, I mean, you can also look like the first five minutes. There's a there's a flurry from Naito and a slight bit from Evil at the end. This was not a, a vastly entertaining match. It was a slog to get through. Um, it didn't it didn't do very well in terms of ratings. And if you're giving 40 minutes of your day to a match, you you kind of are expecting it to be, you know, four stars, four and a half stars. Naito versus Evil on the Grapple app is it was it's over three stars now it wasn't the last time i checked it's 3.15 stars for a 40 minute match that's i don't think the kind of investment of time and what you're getting back there is is particularly fair and this story could have been told in 20 minutes and the match could have been better for it new japan seems to believe that long equals good and that's not that's not always the case. Like it might there might be a correlation between the length of a New Japan match and how close to five stars it gets, but it's not it's not a uh, two plus two equals four type scenario. Yeah, I would agree with some of those points there in the sense that like the, the obvious point there of like New Japan sometimes thinks that uh, long is good, which you know for the most case that tends to be correct. Uh, but there's like the obvious points that I can think of, of like Sonata and Okada's G1 matches were always incredibly short because obviously there's a time limit. They don't want to get draws. You're going to want to want to get the win, uh, especially on G1. Um, but whenever they had then their title matches after the fact where there was no time limit, 
it just slogged on for a very long time and it was like oh this is kind of boring whatever uh and to bring it back to this match to just you know say that but then also add uh this match was a match that was centered completely around evil completely about evil telling his story getting heel heat uh, you know, getting doing all these aspects. I think largely the reason why this match doesn't work, quite frankly, is the fact that you know there was three thousand people in attendance. But if you had a full crowd at uh New Japan Cup Final and a full crowd at Dominion, maybe uh there would have been something more more booing, more uh mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, there was booing in this match, but you also have to remember that like the crowd was in attendance was not supposed to be cheering or booing. That's why there was a lot of clapping. So Mm -hmm. when they, there is something to say that when there was booing, it was like, like there is a reason why the crowd is cheering because they're so emotionally compelled to uh, boo or cheer for these people that they're ignoring the rules. There's something Mm -hmm. to say to that, but at the same time, you know, you you only uh, there's a huge difference between three thousand people booing and ten thousand plus people booing uh, at Evil for the entire match. Which I think that's the thing. It's like the the match is supposed to get garner heel heat, but when there's not a lot of crowd, especially cr- the crowd that is there that can't isn't really supposed to be booing or cheering or whatever, it kind of hurts the whole match in general and makes it quiet. Which then you know, in all of our wrestling brains. Uh, no reaction is not good. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, this was uh, kind of needed to be white hot, and as you've just so eloquently put, um, it just it couldn't it couldn't be, uh, and that was a problem. What was what did Naito like? It, is it literally just evil fouls getting the win here, or is like is there anything Naito could have done? or was trying to do like we talk about evil's game plan and everything is there anything that naito could have done differently to potentially win this match or was it literally just evil knew evil knew this man evil knew his weaknesses and evil was willing to do whatever and anything to just take from him um i i don't believe so no unless i mean we're looking at arguments with he could have expected this and had more of lij ready to go would be that kind of thing I'd be saying. Um, I I have an issue with the amount of fouling that's been going on in New Japan matches. I know that like there's a lot of people saying, well, you're supposed to hate them for cheating and it's heel heat, but I I do end up just kind of like rolling my eyes when when uh, referee Uno has when you know somebody's doing a hold they're not allowed to be doing. He does the one two three, they break it. The heel loops at him and smirks and then does it again and it's one, two, three, they break it and then it's it's again. It's just like in in football, you get you get a yellow card for persistent fouling. And if you keep fouling, you get a red card and that's the end of it. And I know people, you know, you need to suspend your disbelief for wrestling, but I I th- I think you suspend your disbelief, but there are there are still rules in place. Like I think the issue that I have with WWE, and I think a lot of people have, is as a wrestling fan, quite often the world will like look at you as if you're a bit of an idiot for liking it. And you don't want to feel like that. And when wrestling is good, it's the best thing. But there's a lot of the time that you're expected to give it a pass for treating you like a bit of an idiot. 
and I, I like the fouls are fine, but make make the way that he's doing them smarter, so it's not just so blatant in front of the referee. Tai Chi throughout this uh, tournament was ridiculous with the amount of fouls he was committing. It was just like all of the time against Sonata. There was eleven fouls, and it was there was more against Ibushi, I believe. Yeah, Ibushi eighteen fouls. It was just constant all of the time. Um. And it was the same with with Evil fifteen against Okada, and how many was it against Sonada eleven versus eleven to zero against Sonada. So it's it was it's too it's too much. I feel like there just need to be more rules. Like the referees can I don't know maybe they need a, a, a yellow card sounds silly in wrestling, but maybe they can give a formal warning and the commentators go, oh he's this is last chance if he continues to do this in front of the referee, he will be disqualified. And then you see the heels still bending the rules, but they're doing it in more devious ways rather than, you know, just straight in front of the referee's face. I, I don't know. I just, I find it mocks the referee too much. And I feel like it's also mocking my intelligence a bit, but it's not a, it's not an opinion I see too commonly elsewhere. There, there is the aspect, however, that you know, obviously, New Japan, they, and they've talked about this before, that they are sort of play lax in rules when it comes to title yeah. matches, yeah. which I get. I mean, I think that's far. You can, you know, you can look back at so many title matches. I mean, Omega was famous for bringing out a table, mm-hmm. uh, in any of any <laughs> any and all of his matches. Um, yeah, no, I I sort of agree with that in the sense that like there isn't. There was a lot of fouling happening in this match, and it's also weird because the point of doing that, there's two. There's it's a twofold aspect. There's there's two points in doing that. One is to garner heel heat, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. but in a in a crowdless setting or a minimum crowd setting, uh, it's really hard to achieve that fully. Um, but then also conversely, it's a way to make ultimately make the the good guy. Uh, look better when he's able to overcome all these aspects you know it just it makes you get even more downtrodden and even more upset about fouls in my opinion and I say this about myself as well when Taichi does all these fouls and then gets the win and wins the titles as we'll talk about or when evil gets all these fouls gets the win and steals the titles out from Naito because then it's just like Okay, what the hell? <laughs> like, why didn't the referee try? Well, I mean, the referee did, I guess, in a way, try to stop it, holding up that table, defending Naito. But why didn't he do more to stop this? You know, protect Naito in a in a way, I guess. It, there is that aspects of like, you know, it, if you're going if you're going to foul a lot, then still find a way for the good guy to win, so that it it's like overcoming like he's better than all these foul like like it 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 matters to be a good person and to be a good wrestler because if you just foul all the time, then it's like, why aren't all these guys fouling all the time? Why, mm-hmm. why isn't every match riddled with chair shots? Um, you know, it becomes that it starts becoming that downwards trend. Um, yeah. I think, I think I want a heel that is like excellent at their, like excellent at and skilled at their profession, but is like super arrogant and snarky and like rubs it in everyone's face, but doesn't really need to to cheat, but like would maybe every now and again, like a Kurt Angle type heel. I know he did also break the rules, but 
like or like a you know Brock Lesnar monster heel doesn't really need to cheat to win. Like I I like like, like a Pac or something. Yeah, I like that kind of story. I I also kind of think that Okada is often the heel. Yes, like yes, he is. He doesn't he doesn't cheat, but like in in those I saw him as like he kind of took the heel role um, at Wrestle Kingdom against Ibushi and Naito. Like he was the like the kind of unconquerable force that you you kind of wanted to see lose his title because it would be more interesting for somebody else to take it so he was almost the heel by excellence like you know that kid at school that is phenomenal at whatever sport you play and you know you just don't like him for it you know i I think i think that works as well i'm not saying that it shouldn't happen it's just when it's like 25 times a match the, the fouling is distilled into it's like kind of meaningless I'd, I'd kind of point towards Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles as an example of where a foul in a wrestling match w- was a big deal when Daniel Bryan goes low at the end of that match. It's kind of, it was shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess to continue the foul trend, let's move on to the next match, which was the IWGP Tag Championship match between the Golden Aces losing their titles to Dangerous Techers. Of course, uh, this match came about in the New Japan Cup when Taichi was able to defeat both Tanahashi and Ibushi. Uh, sorry, sorry, Zach. Uh, sort of to sort of earn their team a title shot. Uh, was sort of this was also sort of bubbling over before COVID uh, pandemic sort of started between Golden Aces, Techers, and Juice and Finley, or was it Finn Juice? Is that what their name is? I think so. Yeah. Uh, so this is all sort of bubbling over. I, I this is the one match I also believe that was probably going to be slated for Dominion no matter what, um, and and they still were yeah. able to get here. Um, but yeah, let's talk about this match, Craig. Any any thoughts uh, about the stats in this match? Well, um, Ibushi beats Tai Chi in the New Japan Cup, and the two of them cost him in the next round. That's a better way of saying that this up. But I, I probably need to stop hogging <laughs> that dead horse. And this was- <laughs> This was kind there's, of there's a there's a trend of you not just not liking heels that use too many fouls. You you want a very distinct like no fouls. You're no one's allowed to foul in this division. It just needs it just it needs to be used less. Like there's spamming fouls. It needs to be it needs like oh, it's but it it's gets results. All, but it gets results. Well, it clearly does, but it's just annoying and it's That's not fair. very interesting in my opinion. But anyways, the stats you were saying. So th- this was this was essentially booked the same way. Um, strikes, strike downs, grapples, dives um, to the Golden Ace team of Ibushi and Tanahashi. Uh, submissions and fouls um, advantage to Dangerous Techers. They did reverse more than Golden Ace, uh, which does help the story a little bit. Um, more tags and more double teams, however, from them. So they were a more functional team than Golden Ace. Um, they did. They did take the match offense slightly, fifty-two percent, because of their huge superiority in submission. One hundred sixty-seven seconds, so it's almost three minutes in total. They had um, one of their two adversaries in a submission hold. Um, so yeah, they did. They took the match offense because of that. Um, Twenty-eight minute match. It was quite long. It did sag in bits, but uh, there was enough going on here that it was interesting. And the thing that will jump out at the flow on the flow of offense tide changes chart is uh, the just the ex- extremeness of the final kind of five minutes and how 
you can see that huge blue line shoot up as um, I think it was eight dragon screws they hit on Tanahashi, which looked extra gnarly with um, him, Tanahashi, being held with his hands behind his back. Um, it made it look quite quite nasty, in fact. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, exciting match. Dives from the faces like you'd like. Uh, fouls from the heels. Um, there's a bit of a story with the five-minute period chart. Um, some up and downs from the Golden Ace team, whereas Dangerous Techers built their way into the match, uh, presumably with more and more underhanded tactics. And again, a good a good showing off the difference between the two teams from the bar chart. Huge submission um, kind of burst from Dangerous Techers, but you can kind of see that big strikes advantage from Kotobushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah, uh, like you sort of alluded to at the beginning here, was that this match was very similar to the main event matchup as well. Uh, of course, this match being the semi-main, uh, so coming beforehand. Uh, it did sort of tell the same similar story about the Golden Aces are ultimately better wrestlers, but the dangerous techers are uh, willing to be much more violent uh, when necessary. Not to say that they aren't good wrestlers. I mean, obviously, Sabre Jr. is an astounding mm -hmm. wrestler. Um, yeah. But they are willing, being part of Suzuki Goon, willing to be more violent than their opponents, which is what eventually gets them the win here. Uh, obviously, in that last couple minutes, with uh, Taichi knocking Ibushi out with those uh, iron fists, and then just the two of them, uh, Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr., just utterly dismantling uh, Tanahashi's uh, legs here. I did think, you know, if it is the same story, I think this match told the story in a better way than evil and like you said with evil and naito being too long this match being nine minutes less i think it's told the same story a little bit better and a little bit more efficiently looking at the stats it seems odds to describe uh 20 28 43 match as being significantly shorter than something else and being um all the better for it that's fair. That is true, and that is fair. But I, I guess in comparison, it's at least oh, no, shorter. I, I absolutely agree with your statement. I suppose it's a more of a comment on how long the the other match was. That is true. Um, yeah, I mean, in you know, looking at the stats, obviously the big number here is you know that talking about that wearing down of the aces. You know that submissions just racking in 167 submissions while Abushi and Tanahashi have straight up zero. Um, you know, there's the aspects of double team maneuvers, just 10. Uh, I imagine many of those in a way coming in the last couple minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like you said, that, that also that slow build of the techers just slowly, slowly over five minute periods uh, building up to uh, getting the ultimate victory while aces came out hot and then <laughs> slowly just sort of uh, fell apart. <laughs> Uh, fell apart at the ending there. Yeah, I mean, there's not, I guess, really, there's not much, you know, once you talk about Naito Evil, there's not much in terms of analysis to take away here, because like we said, it is sort of, it was sort of the same match, just shorter and a tag match. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, any big takeaways, I guess, in terms of analysis out of this one? I mean, no, no, you're, you're kind of spot on there. Things kind of, this match kind of ended when the, the, the glove thing came out. Um, I think both men were hit with that. Abushi kind of then stayed on the outside, and um, 
then the the, the double teams targeting uh, Tanahashi's knees kind of finished things off. And mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was it. Yeah, there's not much more to say that. Obviously, that also that foul number seventeen to one in favor of mm-hmm. the Techers. That's also a huge aspect. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you are. There is something to say, and I think there's also something to say that th- these two matches, Evil Naito Techers Aces was very similar and the fact that they were also back to back in a way then hurts the main event because then you're sort of watching the same story unfold um you know with slight elements changed uh and it just sort of makes that other match uh slightly worse i guess especially with at you know now it's the same story but now it's longer you know that's the whole aspects yeah yeah i hadn't i hadn't put that together yeah that's that that makes a, uh, an awful lot of sense yeah if you if you just put to, to steal my it's booking like an hour, it's an hour of um fouls and the same story obviously and i think this the reason they didn't do it is because it's you know tanahashi and bushi and whatnot they want to put them in the semi-main but mm-hmm. honestly yeah. you know if i was doing this to put to put my hit the books booking brain on on uh i would switch the show shingo match and the aces techers match so that you can have this story be told have it be a great match then move into the hard-hitting wrestling match, uh, and then go back into the emotion-filled betrayal match. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, well, speaking of a uh, hard-hitting uh, wrestling match, let's move on to the never-open-weight title match between Sho and Shingo Takagi. Of course, Shingo being the never-open-weight champion here, taking on Sho, Sho defeating Shingo to earn this match from the New Japan Cup uh, and I think it was the first round matchup, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, show uh, also before COVID saying that he wanted to go after the never, never open weight title uh, because Show debuted as a young lion the same night the never open weight title. So he sort of feels like it's his destiny. Uh, I guess that also means that I wouldn't be surprised if we see many more of these matches down the line. Um, yeah so thoughts uh thoughts on that story or thoughts on the stats themselves craig yeah and that would be that would be very welcome and um, both <laughs> matches have been highly enjoyable and um, show show looks convincing as going up against the heavyweights and um, he, he doesn't he's so i'm not I'm, I'm not fantastically familiar with his work and um, i didn't i didn't watch huge amount of the best of the super juniors last year so as a singles competitor i'm not sure how he usually wrestles but he didn't hit any dive at all in this match and that has been his story um throughout the cup he he wasn't hitting dives he was actually um using a lot of strikes and a lot of submissions as he did here and um, show actually broke a hundred in this match hitting 102 strikes compared to a measly 74 from shingo takagi um <laughs> show also the advantage with strike downs 11 to 4 Grapples were taken by Shingo, 11 to 9, no dives each, and 91 seconds submission compared to 13, uh, 28 reversals apiece. Uh, both of them hit a finisher. It was just Shingo's kept show down, essentially. Show taking 58% of the match offense, quite a jump there. And yeah, when you when you look at the flow of offense here, it's it's a heck of a lot more interesting. There's a lot of back and forth. There's some big peaks. There's some smaller peaks. This was a proper uh, hard hitting New Japan Pro Wrestling title match, um, that was high, hotly contested, and 
as you move on to the five minute periods chart, you can see that Sho was very much in the ascendancy for a lot of this before Shingo took control towards the end. And again, that bar chart very helpfully shows off the difference uh, between the two wrestlers. Um, unlike the other two matches, submission advantage and striking advantage both went to the same guy in Sho. Um, but it was Shingo Takagi's grappling offense and his more proficient and damaging finisher that was able to put Shou away. Yeah, in my sort of analysis of this match, the my the first thought I had was comparing it to their previous encounter in the New Japan Cup, um, which you know compared to that New Japan Cup match, uh, which those stats are can I believe that picture if you're looking for it is probably also on Pro Wrestling Musings. Somewhere. Um, definitely so on Pro Wrestling Musings, there's a special New Japan Cup page which has all of the matches. I haven't added the final yet, um, but it's got every other match, like all the rounds. It was my big project that I wanted to put together. So you can relive all the rounds. And there you will find Shingo Takagi versus Sho from the first round. And the stats are very similar. The numbers are just smaller. So Show takes the strike advantage, um, 73 to 68, for example. Submissions, 44 seconds to 9 seconds. So the match was very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference was that Show was able to hit that new finisher of his twice, um, and Shingo never managed to hit a finisher at all. That is very true. And this in the never open weight title match at Dominion, uh, they each got a finisher each. That is definitely mm-hmm. something to talk about. Um, I mean, there's also the show's strike down rate is a little bit higher in Dominion, and his reversal rate is way higher at Dominion. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, besides that, the the numbers are very similar. There was an idea that we pitched around that, uh, you know, and, and I guess we'll announce that we are we were wrong in that assessment. That we were we our belief was that maybe Shingo did not have the endurance advantage, you know, in that new Japan cup match where he is sort Mm. of like, Oh, he went out there 17 minute long match was such an incredibly long match for Shingo. Maybe he's coming off, but you know, looking at dominion, a 20 minute match gets the win off. Maybe it wasn't about endurance. Maybe he was able to train well enough before dominion to get there. But maybe, maybe the story actually is, you know, just Shingo getting that finisher. Uh, if Shingo's able to get that finisher, maybe that's that's the way to win. Yeah, I mean, you could you could kind of look at that as elite athletes. Um, Ring Ross, maybe Show was able to train better during coronavirus. Shingo lost a bit of his cardio and has realized that himself and perhaps sorted it out for this match. Show has that, more motivation to get the win over Shingo because he true. knows that's a never open weight title match. Yeah, and uh, Shingo's also beaten Show in the past, in last year's um, Best of the Super Juniors, I think. That seems to ring a bell, but I'm not. don't quote me on that. So yeah, perhaps Shingo wasn't taking Show um, all that seriously first time around and had learned his lesson. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, yeah, I mean, looking at this match, other than comparing it to last, last outing, last bouting, is last bouting a phrase that I can now use moving forward? I don't, I don't, I don't believe so. That sounds kind of like mouth vomit. Well, no, that's fine. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take over the Shakespeare advantage. If Shakespeare can <laughs> invent words, I'm gonna invent bouting, um, which, which of course, the definition being the last time two people had a bout. 
Um, yeah, looking at looking at this one, uh, yeah, I mean the idea of that show has advantage over the you know that flow of offense. He has the overall ad, you know advantage the entire match, but then Shingo's able to get it all back right at the very end here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know shows peaks from that flow of offense uh, exceed Shingo. You know, at most, you know, uh, his highest peak. Uh, before the 15 minute mark is 18 offensive value versus the highest peak of Shingo being uh, roughly a little, maybe a, a 10 and a half. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. know, a lot more uh, offense here, but then that last fifth, you know, last five minutes of Shingo, just pulling it out, finding the dragon within and getting that finisher uh, to really yeah, get the win. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can almost see um, show there's like two big peaks before the 15 minutes and then the two big peaks after for show after the 15 minutes is like they've it's you know they, they look there it's a very clear visual image they it's almost like it's been stepped down because of Shingo's ability to turn things around faster yeah so uh props to Shingo props to show I'm very excited to see where this goes forward obviously you know we have Shingo Despy moving after this and I, I do also enjoy the fact that uh, we have Despy and Shingo after this because that's two juniors going up for the never ha- open weight title. I, I really like that they are finally it feels like after forever finally taking advantage of the open weightness of the mm-hmm. never title. Um, yeah, and I think and I've heard it a lot from other people that people really enjoyed uh, the New Japan Cup being open weight. And I, I think perhaps keeping that would add something to it year by year. I wouldn't throw all of the weight divisions out of the window. I'd keep them for the G1 and I'd, you know, you'd keep them for the big titles. But I think adding that for the G, you know, keeping uh, the New Japan Cup as it was this year might, might, you know, it just differentiates things and makes things a bit different. I didn't think about the G1 yet, but I wonder what they're going to do about the G1. Assuming that they're able to still put on wrestling shows, assuming mm-hmm. you know nothing gets too much worse in, in regards to COVID, um, I wonder what they're going to do with that. Is it going to be a shorter, shorter, uh, less amount of people in the G1 to try to keep it heavyweight, or are they just going to include your shows, your your Hiromus, your Despies into the G1? I didn't think about that yet. Um, I, th- I think for this year, for to get the highest quality tournament, if they're going to keep it big like they did with the New Japan Cup, you would have to bring in your juniors. I don't think there. I, I don't. I think you would struggle to find twenty heavyweights to fill out those spots. Especially, um, especially whether the, the big question for me is whether or not you have your dads in the G one. I, I think that's difficult because. Of, of the schedule like yeah. Kenny, Kenny Omega documented it quite um, bluntly on things like being the elite he he was struggling and he was probably in the best shape of his life at that point mm-hmm. so for for a guy like Nagata that can put on a tremendous match um, in his in his own style but he he's gonna struggle to go out there and put together you know 20 10 to 20 minute matches two or three times a week it's it seems unlikely to happen i hope it's it's also interesting to note that minoru suzuki wasn't in last year's one 
very true whether that was for that reason or or otherwise very true i hope at the very least we're able to open up uh you know australia new zealand japan borders i i imagine at the rate at the rate the rest of the world's going compared to my home country of of the great america mm-hmm. um i i imagine that other borders for other countries will open up soon yeah uh, that's, that's that's interesting actually i'm thinking very much from a Western Hemisphere kind of perspective, I, I I see no reason why Japan wouldn't be able to, you know, have some coming and going from countries like Australia, New Zealand, who, well, New, New Zealand is about as safe as anywhere else, anywhere in the world. Um, Australia, I think, are not completely rid, but are essentially low, low risk. So, yeah, I don't know, I think... Apart from your American talent, you can get all your Tamatongas and that back, perhaps. All yeah. things going okay. Yeah, I don't exactly know where everyone is at the moment. Yeah, but yeah. presumably you get Fale, um, Toa Hanare, a Mikey Nichols, um, everybody's favorite Mikey Nichols. Robbie Eagles. Robbie, Robbie, e- Eagles. Ooh, e- Robbie Eagles is a great one. And then maybe another Australian talent. Uh, maybe like or maybe you get Slex in there. You know, he's someone that is also in ROH, so you get a little bit of that in there as well. I also didn't think obviously get Jay White back, which is going to be fascinating when he when he's back with with Evil. Uh, yeah, yes, that is also true. You get Jay White. <laughs> That's the big name. I keep forgetting. Yeah. You also get Jay White back. So yeah, maybe you know, I've, I've been kind of thinking thinking it over um, throughout this podcast, and I'm actually really excited to see what happens next. You know, after kind of dumping all over the decision making to for Eve to put evil as as champion. It's it's fascinating to see what the dynamic in the Bullet Club's going to be. It's really interesting to see who's going to to be challenging him. And it's very, very difficult to see who who will be taking that belt from him. Like the next the the, the next um champion isn't isn't very clear in the slightest. Exactly. Yeah, it, there is the aspects of like, you know, when you able to have this sort of shock moment, it, it you know it is very shocking, and obviously it's going to upset a lot of people. But like you said, you start thinking about like, well, where do we go from here? You know, what do we what do we do from here? And I think that's very exciting. Uh, speaking of where we go from here, there was just a, you know the recent announcement. We'll just quickly talk about it. Uh, there's obviously New Japan Road coming down the line, but that's not a huge card. What the huge card is Sengeku Lord. In Nagoya, uh, it's going to be July 25th, 2020. There's a bunch of matches on here that look very exciting to me. Of course, we got the return of Yoshihashi, which I think is a huge talking point as well. Um, of course, we got a, we got a bunch of five-minute matches. But the top th- three matches that I just want to quickly talk about uh, with you, Craig, is a special singles match between Okada and Yujiro Takahashi. There's also another never open weight title match between Shingo and Despi. And then it's going to be Evil in his first defense with the heavyweight and intercontinental championships against Hiromu Takahashi. So thoughts on those three top matches? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, two of them should be good. Um, I'll be interested to see El Desperado again. I wonder what two he may be talking about. <laughs> Against Shingo, that, that should be... I, I think that'll be a great match. Um, I'm not... I really don't know much about El Desperado, but he's got a few quite... Um, quite 
enthusiastic fans on Twitter, uh, which is interesting. So that that'll be a good match. Um, Evil versus Hiromu Takahashi should be should be great for Takahashi's involvement alone. Um, Okada hasn't done great things recently against lesser wrestlers that you might hope he could help level up. Like his his match with Evil wasn't good. Um, his match with Tai Chi earlier on this year wasn't the best. He's getting a bit of negative feedback. People going as far to suggest that we've seen the best of him. I'm I'm not as hard as that on Akada. I think he'll be back when the right opponent or the right story, the right motivation is there. He's still fairly young for a wrestler. Um, but yeah, I don't think him versus Yujiro Takahashi really jumps out as being one to look forward to. I think I think that's just a match to sort of build. You know, Okada's coming off of a New Japan mm-hmm. Cup loss. I feel like that's just a match to sort of like, well, one, elevate Takahashi a bit to be able to have yeah. a single match against Okada. And hopefully Takahashi can, you know, gets that tap on the shoulder and goes out there and kills it. But you're right. O- Okada, you know, Takahashi is, how old is Yujiro Takahashi? I'm going to look that up real quick. He's around Naito's age. Weren't they in a tag team together? Yes, they were. Takahashi is ooh, 36 or something. 39. Oh, wow. Okay. He is yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very odd. Like last year in the G1, there was, it seemed like a few guys got a tap on the shoulder. Like Tai Chi was better than people expected. Archer was excellent. Um, it's, but I don't know things. It's it's a weird it's a weird landscape, and I suppose the obvious caveat is they're they're doing well for a wrestling company dealing with COVID, as you know most most of them are. So you know we'll 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 see, and hopefully we get some, and um, perhaps more exciting talent back soon. Yes, yes, like yeah, like I I would not be surprised. I think I saw. Was it Australia or New Zealand? I think I saw that one of those countries have announced yet again that they are COVID free. So uh, it's New Zealand today. New Zealand today. Okay, so they, I I they wonder they got COVID free, and then two British people went there for a funeral, left mm, behind yeah. COVID. So yeah, and then, and then I think I saw saw that they that that's all over, so they're all good again. Um, yeah. yeah, I wonder if by. When is the G1 supposed to be starting? Uh, they, some people were asking if it had been announced on D- at Dominion, and I don't. It wasn't, so I, I don't think people know. Yeah, I I imagine the company doesn't quite know. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it was. Supposed I would to be. guess. I would guess the the point that you brought up about talent and wondering they're probably waiting for that to become a bit clearer. Uh, I would guess it kind of maybe, you know, they're thinking about, do we need Tam? Can we get Tamatonga? Will Jay White be back? Um, that, that kind of, that kind of thing, I would guess. Uh, is currently scheduled to take place between the September 19th and October 18th. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I think, I think don't they tend to announce it more formally and give dates and stuff generally? Yeah, uh, they have they have they pushed they announced that block obviously because of you know originally it was supposed to be the Summer Olympics were taking up that yeah. spot. I imagine we'll get the dates. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. What other? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they have a lot of other stuff. They're you know they have a lot of stuff between now and September. Not only between 
in the New Japan's world, you know, we obviously have summer struggle coming up as well. But there's also the aspect of, you know, who knows what's going to happen between now, July and September. Um, so I imagine we'll get more news about that after summer struggle 2020, maybe on the final night of whatever this sort of show block is supposed to be. Um, so I guess we'll see moving forward, but we know that's coming down the line. Uh, did you want to talk about what time is it? Uh, yeah, let's talk real quickly. Let's talk about power rankings real quickly. Uh, uh, let me, uh, <laughs> my brain just exploded because I was just looking at too many tabs. Um, this is all cut out. Let's talk about, let's talk about power rankings real quickly. Uh, Craig, uh, on your website, you put a little thing of power rankings and you wanted to talk about it. Do some, talk about that work a little bit. What's, what are some things you, uh, wanted to talk about? Uh, yeah, so I've done power rankings, trying to keep the idea of power rankings like they're kind of used in sport in so much that it's kind of the people kind of wielding the power at that time, wielding the influence perhaps. So it's not really about um, just wins and losses. It's about wins and losses and people's kind of which opportunities they could grab or kind of their past pr- prestige tends to add to it as well. That being said, it, it is on, undoubtedly evil on top. Um, Naito, I've got coming in second. Um, a lot of that because of how historic his win was in January, although that does feel somewhat tarnished already. Um, Okada coming in third, not again, not because of form. His 2020 has been up and down, um, but more because of like who who is the immediate threat to evil, who who can realistically take that title from him. I, I, it was, you know, um, it's kind of apart from that 2019 period where he was having his breakdown, Okada's, you're going to struggle to keep him down these rankings. Um, Coming then, Hiromu Takahashi, he's in form, he's wowing people, he's a champion, and we've got him in fourth, and since uh, these rankings were put up, he is, in fact, getting a title match. So you could almost argue he could be number two, but uh, four for now. Kota Ibushi coming in at number five. This is my pick that might get some negative feedback. But again, I'm arguing that there, a lot of spots have now opened, opened up in New Japan. The landscape is in turmoil. Kota Ibushi is a guy that had a tremendous 2019, was hit into the stratosphere alongside Naito, Tanahashi, Okada. He is a guy that evil needs to be worried about. Then we have Shingo in form, championship, strong competitor down in sixth perhaps because of the limitations of the never open weight title and number seven is a man that would be higher if it wasn't for covid john moxley um rarely beaten in new japan strong um u.s champion with the u.s expansion he should be a big force but he's you know he's not there um tai chi number eight big Big push recently, just won a title, has had some big wins, did excellent work um, in the New Japan Cup. His tag team partner just below in ninth, ZSJ, picking up the gold, has had a good 2020 despite losing his British heavyweight belt. And number 10 um, is the head of New Japan's um, kind of number one stable at the moment, Jay White of the Bullet Club in number 10. Comments, thoughts, critical barbs. 
Uh oh, just the real uh, what I wanted to say is talking about uh uh, uh who was it? Naito. Uh looking mm-hmm. at Sengeku Lord back at that thing. Uh Naito is in the third match out of seven matches. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. That's yeah, I did I did do this yesterday. Um and it looks like they're gonna cool him off for a bit, which I don't think makes sense, but um but that does seem to be the new Japan way. You lose the title, you get cooled off for a bit. So yeah, you arguably Takahashi should be second, Naito perhaps in fourth. I I wonder if Naito was always going to lose his title at Dominion. Just if COVID wasn't happening, he would have had defenses along the way, and it would have been like, okay, that's you know six month reign. That's not great, but it's fine. Yeah, and I, I think that's a distinct possibility. Also, I don't know about you, but in the back of my head, I just keep thinking about like you know, realistically speaking. I don't know if he would have been involved in any capacity, but I wonder if like Jericho would have been involved at Dominion in any way. I I, I don't know if they would put the title on him. I I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what could have happened. But I was just thinking that like, well, he's been at Dominion and Wrestle Kingdom for the past couple of years. Mm, I wonder maybe. if he like what if what if he instead of Dick Togo, it's supposed to be Jericho. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I thought he meant like winning the title, oh, which no. could have been interesting. No, uh, uh, I I was thinking. So I originally I did tell you beforehand that I was like I can see why Koto Bushi could be a little bit upsetting, mm. but you did bring up a great point that like you're these are people that could be uh, uh, challenging potentially for evil. There is something to say that uh, you know Naito's seemingly getting cooled off. Okada is distracted by Bullet Club nonsense. Mm. Kota Ibushi just lost his tag titles. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. There's, I, I don't think. Yeah, I absolutely get your point, and it's a really poignant one to make. I think, in the terms of power rankings, I suppose if this was like ranking guys that could, that are big or could be about to become big, do you know what I mean? Then yeah, no. you could be shoving him in third or something. You know what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that there is an argument to be made that Kodabushi is high here because Koda, despite losing his tag titles. Mm-hmm may be the next you know big challenger for evil with everyone else being distracted yeah i i really like kosabushi and i find him really exciting in the ring and i love when he snaps and i find that unique um it's like a heel that's really really not a heel it's weird um i i i i would love to see him take the belt off evil um i would i really really want him to get his shot up at the top yeah, I'm very intrigued to what could happen here. I'm also I'm also thinking about now about future bookings of New Japan. Do you what do you think is going to happen? How are we going to get out of this uh, heavyweight intercontinental stuff? Are we going to just combine them straight up uh, and you know unionize? <laughs> yeah, that's not the phrase. Uh, these two titles, or are we going to find a way to split them up yet again? Um, New Japan is very dependent on titles to book matches. So it seems. What are you strange. talking about? We got Okada, Yujiro, Takahashi. That's a dream match waiting to happen, yeah. Craig. It, but whenever they have one-on-one matches, they even call them special singles matches. Yeah. So, so it seems unlikely that they're going to get rid of it, but it does seem difficult to now split them. And it does does have a feeling of are are they about to do away with the Intercontinental Title, which was originally 
made to kind of bring in the American wrestlers. So MVP, I believe, was the first man to win it. Correct. I don't know if he won it in America. He might he have. Did. I'm not sure. He did. did okay, and it was in it was in a so, one of the first America shows that New Japan did, okay. I believe. So I wonder if the U.S. Championship has become the inter will now be the I don't know like the Intercontinental Title was essentially brought in to be what the U.S. Championship is now, but then essentially Nakamura took it and made it something else. It was almost like his protest belts, like I should be in the main events. Look at these matches. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like the idea of it disappearing from New Japan because I like the ability to have two big title matches. I like the ability to do, um, what was it, Okada versus um, whoever, and then Naito versus White or whatever it's been. I, I, I like. I do like that in New Japan, but a lot of people do argue that it, it diminishes the main belt. I would also suggest that you can replace the um, Intercontinental Championship match at a big event with a number one contendership match. I think that can work too. Yeah, I, I'm really interested to see what they have moving forward. Uh, who do you think will win the G1? Assuming every assuming we're not adding any more people, unless we unless that is someone you think like Jay White is going to do it. Uh, and who, what what in the interest of your opinion? And what what would you do? You, do you think they're going to be split the two belts? Do do they keep both? What what? what? I think they're. I think they're holding. The, I think they're keeping the belts together, so that they can bring up other title belts. You know, there, there's an idea saying that, like, well, I mean, the fact that now the tag titles are kind of important or trying to become more important slowly and sh- slowly but surely. Um, you know, the never open weight title is getting a lot of love. You know, the fact that the U.S. title is essentially on ice is also something to say mm-hmm. that, like, they can focus on other things. Um, I know it's just the way the way that they incorporate the Rev Pro title quite regularly suggests mm-hmm. that they, they really do base things around the you know what i mean like the title yes. belt yes yeah. if i i think i mean there's also something to say that they have been purposefully cooling off the icy title since jericho won it you know mm-hmm. I, I remember yeah. i remember reading a story something about how that was something on purpose that they want to cool off the icy title belt uh, and then, you know, they have Jericho win it. Jericho's gone for however long, come back every once in a while, but then he eventually loses it. It's in the mix a little bit. Then it becomes joined up with the heavyweight title. So it's basically being cooled off yet again, uh, which, yeah. you know, COVID, COVID be damned. They're going to continue putting it together. I do think if you are going to do something, if you're ever going to split it up, maybe uh two matches at Wrestle Kingdom might happen yet again. Maybe there's something okay. in saying... I think the only way I can consciously think of a way to break it up is the winner of the G1 challenges for one of, for the heavyweight title. But also at the same time, why would he not challenge for both? Unless there's a clause in that G1 thing about being like, you can only challenge for one title. They, they, can, just say, they can just say that's what's going to happen, I yeah. think. Yeah, I like that. And then um, the champion defends intercontinental title wins but then loses the heavyweight that that 
you know, that makes story storyline sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, who do you think uh, will win the G1? Assume, you know, let's say moving on to take off, take on both belts or just the one. Who do you, who's your current pick at this very moment, right after New Japan uh, Cup and Dominion? Who do you think? It's really, really hard because a lot of wrestlers have kind of ruined wrestling a bit by outing themselves as foul beings. So, <laughs> it's not funny. I shouldn't laugh about that. But <laughs> yeah, it's like my, my, um, my answer to this would have been very simple. Um, had I not, you know, based on what people have been outed as doing to their people, um, I would have been picking a British wrestler mm-hmm. um, that has kind of made himself a big deal over the last year and a half. Um, but I don't, I don't want to see that at the moment. I don't want to see that until reparations are made, until people kind of show some humility and, you know, the rest of it. Um, so... I think it would be Kota Ibushi, even though he won it last year. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still very much on the Kota Ibushi train, and I would like to see him anointed. You know, at, at some stage, I'm, yeah, I'm very, uh, very big on him. Um, yeah, uh, same question back at you. I, I feel like the top. The, I mean. <laughs> I was going to say the top three, but I think it's the only obvious option. Is anyone between Naito, Abushi, and Okada? Um, you know, yeah. Okada has maybe an argument to take. I mean, this is also assuming that Evil is still the champion by Wrestle Kingdom, which I don't know if that would be the case. Um, it might not. Like, it's so interesting. Actually, anything could happen. It's it's completely changed. That is also the nice part, and I think that's also in a way. Now they think about it, a nice thing that New Japan has taken advantage of the fact that COVID is happening, that even more so, I have no idea what's happening moving forward. I cannot guess a single thing. I, no one would have guessed Dick Togo moving to New Japan and joining up with Evil in Bullet Club. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would have guessed that at the beginning of 2020. Like, the fact that they've sort of, like, moved, you know, allowed COVID that's, like, been able, you know, because of COVID, they've been able to allow, seemingly allow, uh, their heavy junior heavyweights and their heavyweights divisions to mix up. You know, maybe, maybe Hiromo wins G one. You know, who the hell knows, right? Uh, like I, I, I really don't know, but I mean, I would maybe pick if I had to pick someone gun to my head. Naito is not a bad pick. I think Naito maybe getting his ultimate revenge and then just, you know, winning the heavyweight title, I think would be nice. And then maybe like Okada gets the intercontinental or, or something like that, or Hiromo gets the intercontinental. Maybe that would be fun. Or Sonata, even Sonata of evil for intercontinental would be interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. It's such, and there's also the specter of Jay White. They're mm-hmm. they're always high on him. They're always pushing him. Um, who knows? Who knows where it's going? Yeah, and and that's the other thing. I I think Jay White would be a great pick, but then who knows if travel's going to be happening? It's literally mm-hmm. like yeah. you can't. What is great? What they've they've done in a great capacity right now is that because they're you know they're a lot of rosters spread out and they're combining stuff and doing all this interesting things, or or shocking things, I should say. I and and they're playing into the fact that like it's a real world reality. We live in a real sports based reality of like who knows because of COVID. I have I can't future book anything in in mm-hmm. this promotion 
You know, WWE Nobody. and AEW are its own thing, but here it's like anything could change in the next month. I have no clue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and no, nobody, you know, anybody that's sitting there and saying that they picked evil to, you know, topple Naito before the New Japan Cup took place would get some um, doubting facial expressions, shall we say. Yeah, they they got that, they got that like book that like Biff used in Back to the Future, just being able to like guess and predict everything that happens. <laughs> well, something like that, yes. Something like that. There's some sort of time traveler indeed. Uh, well, thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of Wrestling of Statistics. Uh, great episode, Craig. I thought this was really nice. Getting, Absolutely. Getting back into the groove of it. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit of a Stella getting my groove back coming off of a week. Um, yeah, no. So thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's episode. Of course, you can find all those uh, visual graphs and whatnot there in the description of this podcast episode. But along with that, you can either... or Next time, or also, you know what, re-watch, re-listen to the podcast, go over to our YouTube channel, Hit the Books Pod, and you can watch the visuals of it as you're listening, so it's a good way to also take advantage of that. Of course, go to ProWrestlingMusings.com to get the visuals themselves, and along with much, much, along with many other uh, articles written by your, many other people, you're getting a lot more people on board over at Pro Wrestling Musings, Greg. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so there's been a flurry of activity over the last week. Um, I did some coverage of Dominion. There's uh, the the Dominion stuff laid out nicely for you to read fairly easily. I've done. A, I don't tend to write. I'm not the biggest fan of writing. That sounds like really <laughs> like what a child at school says. I don't like writing. Um, but I don't. It doesn't. I I think I'm all right at it, but it doesn't like flow the same way that things do. So I've done a quick kind of. Um, wee bit of writing with each of those graphics then the power rankings i've done myself i think those are quite good um but um debuting this week um griff from ga sports um is an actual journalist um who wanted to do some nerdy stuff in his own words so he's written an aw power rankings post um fighter fest um and the, this is going to be a weekly rankings that will probably come out at the weekend um, really, really high quality piece of work. Um, needs to get a few more views. People tend to access the site via things that I post on Twitter. So it tends to be hit and miss what actually gets the traffic. But um, Griff's piece on AEW Power Rankings is a really good piece of work. It is the AEW Power Rankings as they perhaps should be. The rankings that he's put together is not that different from the ones that AEW produced themselves. However, he has written a piece, a piece for every pick. So it's not just, here's the rankings, why? Because we say so. It's here's the rankings and here's what, what I think. And he's very kindly um, folded in the, um, the rankings and the, the statistics. So, for example, we've got things like MGF is top, uh, blah, blah, blah. And he, he has said that his 27% reversal rage rate shows terrific match control and brings a very unique style to the squared circle so it's good writing it's aw's uh, power rankings what's not to like yeah so definitely oh, go- i'm sorry I'm, i've got that in my head because it's been done today also um the excellence of procrastination dan from twitter you'll know him as excellent procrastination on twitter he's done um he has done the best friends versus nope Yes, no, what's he done? He's done the best friends versus um, Kenny Page from Fighter Fest 1. 
um, alongside all the match stats from that. So it's, you know, wrestling writing, a review of a wrestling match with the stats. Um, and Nathan Byrne has done the same thing for Sasha Banks versus Bailey. And I'm hoping to have a couple more matches from each of them going up very, very soon. So yeah, check check out those pieces. They're very worth your time and they they're, don't take too long. So yeah, absolutely. Go for that. Yes, go to ProWrestlingMusings.com to check out all of those articles and many more coming down the line. Of course, you can also follow Craig at Pro or at PW Musings or conversely for more controversial takes at Craig, uh, at Craig PW Musings, right? Hold on, right? Uh, no. Yes. yes. I can just slot my first name in front of the other one. <laughs> very simple. <laughs> very simple. At yeah, PW Musings. Simple, good. Very simple, very good. Uh, at Craig PW Musings or at PW Musings. You can also follow me at Hit the Books Pod on Twitter. And of course, if you subscribe to this podcast, because why won't you? Uh, we'll be back next week for even more wrestling statistics. Uh, I don't exactly know. We didn't talk about Craig. I don't exactly know what we may be talking about next week. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. Fight for the Fallen will probably be yeah, on the table. Be, I think it'll be back tomorrow. AEW, that'll be the kind of. Um, talk of the town or, next week. Hey, or we can delay another day and talk about Extreme Rules, the horror show, baby. Nothing, nothing, not even, not even <laughs> anything, not even anything. That's fair. Uh, so yeah, subscribe to this to this podcast feed. You'll get even more wrestling statistics along with our other uh, brother sister show. Uh, hit the books as well every Friday, where me and co-host Mikey uh, fancy book our own version of WWE's main roster, both Raw and SmackDown. Doing it for two years straight, Craig. So a lot of a lot of uh, fantasy booking. So I I'm not any sort of actual fantasy booker, but I've been basically re- booking wrestling for the past two years uh, in, in my own way. So you can also go check that out every Friday as well on the same podcast feed that you're listening to, or YouTube channel that you're viewing. Uh, so with all of that out of the way, all those plugs, the bag is closed. Uh, we'll get throw that out of here. Uh, thank you everybody so much again for listening to this week's episode of Pro Re- uh, this week's episode of Wrestling of Statistics. We'll be back yet again next week. Uh, until then, have a good one. Goodbye.